We learned in the previous Mishnah, the previous parak, that planting two different kinds of seeds together is forbidden as Klayim. However, when large amounts of seeds are planted, it often happens that they contain some seeds of another kind. Midday Raisa, it's motivated to plant these seeds together as long as there's no intention to grow two different minim over here. The Chachamim, however, limited the amount of farm seeds that can be present. For example, when grain is planted, it is dropped along the field from a sack of cedar scattered by the handfuls on the field. Technically, this is called sowing. We will use the more common term planting to refer to sowing as well. This is because, so why is it motor? Because it's bottle bereif. So also, it's natural for a certain amount of farm seeds to become mixed into a large amount of seeds for one kind. Since seeds are small and difficult to separate, the terror did not require the farmer to remove the minority seed, but allowed him to plant the mixture provided he does not intend to grow the second species together. When crops are put away in storage, it's also common for some farming seeds to get mixed in from what was left in the storage area from a previous occasion. Similarly, in a field planted with a single crop, it's common for at least a few farm plants to end up growing in the field and for their seeds to get mixed up with the others. So the seeds taken from the harvest to plant the next year's crop will often contain some mixture. When there's too much seed of a second kind, people may think that it was deliberately added in order to grow two kinds together, which is also. So again, any sub seed in which there's a quarter cup of a different kind of seed, the farmer must reduce the other kind to less than a quarter cup before he may plant the seed. A sub contains six kavan, or 24 quarter kavan. A quarter cup is equal to the size of six eggs in volume. If a sub seed contains within it a quarter cup or more of a different kind of seed, it means that one twenty-fourth of the container of seed is made up of other minim. This is considered too high a percentage, and it's forbidden to plant the mixture until the minority seed is reduced to less than 1 24th of the mixture. This can be done either by removing some of the minority seed from the mixture, or by adding to the majority seed. Rabbi Yaisi Aymer Yava. Rabbi Yaisi says once he begins reducing the other kind, he must remove it entirely. According to Rabbi Yaisi, if a person begins removing the minority seed and then stops, when he reduces it to less than 1 24th of the mixture, it looks like he wants to keep the rest of the farm seed and plant climb. To avoid this impression, he must remove some of the minority seed. He must continue to remove all of it. Rebiasi agrees that if the minority kind was less than 1 24th of the mixture to begin with, he does not need to remove anything. The Mishnah is going to mention a machlekes regarding a quarter cup of farming seed that is usher to plant together. It makes no difference whether the quarter cup of farming seed is made up of one kind of seed or of more than one kind, or being mishnaminim. Either way, he must reduce the total amount of farm seeds to less than a quarter cup before he may plant the uh, of seed. As long as there's a total of a quarter cup of other kinds of seed in the mixture, he must reduce them to less than a quarter cup according to the Tanakama or eliminate them entirely according to Rabbi Shimon says, They did not say that a quarter cup is different, of different seed is usher unless the entire quarter cup is made up of one kind. However, if the quarter cup is made up of two different kinds of foreign seeds, he doesn't need to reduce the foreign seed. Any other species that is climbed with the majority of the sub combined with another kind of foreign seed to make up the quarter cup, that prohibits planting the mixture. But a species that is not climbed with the majority does not count towards the quarter cup. The Chachamim agree with the Tanakama that if two different types of species combine, to prohibit the mixture, but they add one condition. Both species must be a type that's considered climb with the majority species. If only one of the minority species is climb with the majority species and the other one is not, 
the sum may be planted without reducing the amount of any minority seed. For example, if a sum of barley contained an eighth of a cup of oats and an eighth of a cup of spelt, which would be one quarter together, he may plant a mixture without reducing the amount of oats and spelt seed. This is because only the spelt is climbed with barley, but the oats are not. The Tanakama, however, disagrees. He rules that even if only one of the two minority species is climbed with a majority species, such as the spelt in the above example, the sow may not be planted. This is because people may think that such a large amount of different kinds of seeds must have added, he must have added it purposely to make climb together. Mishnah base. Bamed Varmamurim, what are we talking about? What type of mixtures are we talking about? Tvua betvua, in regard to grain that became mixed in grain, bekitnis bekitnis, or kitnis that became mixed in kitnis. The term tvua refers to the chamisha mine dogon, which is chitas oira shibaylashul shifai, wheat, barley, spelt, oats, and rye. The term kitnis or kitnis refers to all other plants whose seeds are eaten. For for example, beans, rice, peas, sesame, and all those type of things. So, tvua bekitnis, kitnis betvua. If the grains became mixed with kitnis, or kitnis that became mixed with tvua, be'emesamru. However, in truth, they said, whenever it says be'emesamru, it usually means that it's halachal meishemik sinai. As Isaac, as Isaac, look in the Gemara of Shabbos after base. If inedible seeds of garden plants became mixed with kidneys or tvua, the garden seeds combine to prohibit planting the mixed seeds even with less than a quarter cap, as long as there's enough garden seed in the mixture to plant one twenty-fourth of what is usually planted with that kind of seed in the beisah. The term garden plants refers to vegetables such as radishes, turnips, garlic, and onions, which have an edible part, but the seeds themselves are not edible. This is in contrast to grains and beans, in which the edible part is the seed itself. So what's this cheshbon over here? A besa is the urea which a person plants to sell wheat seeds. This measures 50 by 50 amas. However, garden seeds are much smaller than grains and beans, yet they produce large plants. For this reason, a besa of land is not planted with a sub-garden seed, but with just a quarter sub-garden seed, for example. The exact amount depends on the type of garden plant. The Mishnah says that if just one twenty-fourth of the amount of garden seed that will be planted in Beisah is present in the mixture, it answers, it's usher to plant the mixture until it's reduced. Thus, in the example we mentioned, instead of a quarter of a calf being the amount of that, a sixteenth of a calf, which would be one ninety-sixth of a sub garden seed, would answer the rest of it. The reason for this is that this small amount of seed will end up growing plants that will take up one twenty-fourth of the field, this much foreign growth gives the impression that it was planted with the intention of growing two species which would be climbed. The Chachamim therefore asked it. The measure of a quarter cup of foreign seeds was set only for grains and kidneys. Since these species grow to take up approximately the same amount of space, the Chachamim fixed the amount for all of them at a quarter cup per cell of seed. Even different species of garden plant seeds combined to make one twenty-fourth that forbids the mixture because these things aren't going to be eaten anyways. Reb Shimon says, Just as the Chacham said this rule about garden seeds to be machmer, that is to answer planting a mixture containing even less than a quarter cup of garden seeds, so they said this rule to be mekel. For example, flaxseed that became mixed in grain combined to, combined to forbid the mixture only when it comes to 124th of what is usually planted of flaxseed in a beso, even though this comes to much more than a quarter of a calf. The amount of flaxseed normally planted in Beisah is three saw, three times the amount of wheat that would be planted there. 
Thus, one twenty-fourth of the amount of flax planted in Beisar is three-quarters of a cob rather than a quarter. Flaxseed that became mixed in grain, therefore, does not forbid planting the mixture unless there's three-quarters of a cob of flaxseed in it. The Mishra's wording implies that the Tanakhama does not accept this ruling. In his view, the one twenty-fourth of what is usually planted rule for garden seeds applies only as long as it comes to less than a quarter cob. When it comes to more than a quarter cob, however, the halacha remains that even a quarter cob forbids the mixture. Mishnah Gimel. This Mishnah is going to teach us what a person must do when he plants in his field one species, then changes his mind and wants to plant it with another one. If his field is planted with wheat, and he changes his mind and decided to plant it with barley, he must wait for the seeds in its for the seeds in it to grow roots. When the seed begins to send out roots, the roots are very thin and look like worms, like tailas. Sending out roots is therefore referred to as lahaslia, literally to become wormy. And then you should turn over the soil by plowing it and thereby destroying the infant wheat plants. And afterwards, he can plant a field with barley. Once the seeds have produced roots, they will not grow new roots if the old ones die. The Mishnah therefore teaches that the farmer should wait until the wheat seed had begun to send out roots approximately three days after it was planted, as we know from Hilchah Shabbos as well, that by Zerea, it's a big question how a person could be high for Zerea if the seed only takes root three days later. So by you putting a seed in the ground on Shabbos, you're, only, you're causing it that it should grow three days later. And then plow the field to kill the infant plants. This will prevent wheat from growing together with the barley he wishes to plant. If, however, the field is plowed before the seeds begin to send out roots, the seeds will just be moved from one place to another, I will still take root among the barley plants, resulting in a field of climb. In Simcha, if the wheat already sprouted, that means that it broke through above the ground before he decided to plant the field with barley. He cannot say, I will plant the barley and afterwards turn over the soil, even though this would save him a lot of work. Because it was the custom in Eretz to plow the ground again after the seeds were planted to cover the seeds with earth, like the Gemara says in Shabbos. The farmer therefore prefers to plant the barley first and then plow the land, since the single plowing will both destroy the wheat and cover the barley. But he can't do that. Rather, he must turn over the soil first to destroy the wheat plant and only afterwards plant the barley. Once the wheat has sprouted, the farmer is not likely to forget to plow the field and destroy the wheat plants since he sees them growing. So the Mishnah teaches that even so, we do not allow him to plant the barley and then plow the field. Because planting barley in a field in which wheat has begun to grow gives the appearance of planting climb. How much must he plow? The Mishnah is going to go through how, I mean, how, much, how much does he need to plow in order for him to be able to plant the next type. Like the furrows of rain. Like the furrows that are commonly plowed after the first rains have fallen. It was common in Eretz Yisrael to begin plowing after the first rain of the season has fallen. It generally does rain in Eretz Yisrael during the summer. The first rains of the year fall shortly after Sukkot, like the Mishnah says in Tanis. Although, okay, so in Eretz Yisrael it only rains after, it generally first starts to rain after Sukkot. So although this leaves some earth between the furrows unplowed, it is enough to show that he's not interested in growing two species. He is therefore permitted to plant the barley. It's not necessary to plow furrows so closely together that the entire surface of the field is plowed. As long as the furrows are spaced in the usual way, it is enough. Although this may allow some wheat plants to survive between the furrows, the crop will not be climb because the farmer has shown that he's not interested in having them grow. However, if enough wheat plants grow to make up 124th of the field, he will need to remove them because then it will be real climb, not just look like climb. 
the reason why we're talking about Talmei HaRavio over here, Pharaohs of the Rain, is used to contrast this type of plowing with the ones mentioned in Mishnah Vav, which we'll see in Mishnah in a few minutes. Abba Shalom, Rabba Shal says, Kadesh Shalom Yishai Reva Lebeisah, you must plow enough so that there will not remain a base Reva, a quarter of calf of unturned soil in a Beisah, and Abba Shal is even more machmer than the Tanakam. A base Reva is the mantle land that is planted with a quarter calf, one twenty-fourth of a saw of seeds. According to Abba Shal, the total unplowed area must be less than one twenty-fourth of the entire field. The first Tana, the Tanakama, allows the farmer to plow like far as the rain, even if all the unturned parts of the field will total more than one twenty-fourth of the field. Abashol, on the other hand, requires that the total unturned amount be less than one twenty-fourth of the field. Mishnah Dalad. Zuruah v'nimlach l'nata. If someone wishes to replace his grapevines with a field of grain, or the other way around. If a field is planted with grain, and the farmer changed his mind and decided to plant it with grapevines, or he was originally planted with kidneys or, or garden plants, and now he wants to change it over to grapevines, so the Mishnah refers specifically to grapevines because there's no isser against planting grain next to other trees, as we learned in the first parak. The word lintaya for natias is used for planting trees which are planted one by one. When masha'enken lizraya is used for grain and beans and the like, for which many seeds are scattered over an area at once. So lo yoimar He cannot say, I'll first plant the grapevines and then afterwards turn over the soil by plowing it. Rather, he must first turn over the soil to destroy the grain seeds and only afterwards plant the grapevines. Before plowing, he must wait for the grain to grow roots, as we learned in the previous Mishnah. If a field is planted with grapevines and the farmer changed his mind and decided to plant it with grain, he cannot say, I'll first plant the grain and afterwards uproot the grapevines. Rather, he must first uproot the grapevines and afterwards plant the grain. The grain must be destroyed by means of turning over the soil by plowing and grapevines must be uprooted to prevent further growth. In Ratza, however, there is a cool over here, if he wants, he can cut off the grapevines close to the ground until less than a tapach of the vine remains above ground, and he may then plant the grain and uproot what remains in the grapevines afterwards. A tapach is between 3 and 4 inches, and once a grapevine has been cut this close to the ground, it's uncommon for it to grow again. This serves to show that the owner is no longer interested in it, so that even if it does regrow, he's not going to be over on climb. The Mishnah recommends uprooting the grapevines after cutting them down to this level, because it's possible that they will start growing again. However, there's no chiv to do so unless they actually start growing again. So only if they really start growing, not because when hastam, they won't. They won't grow again, and then he doesn't have to worry about climb. Also, he shows that he's not interested in them. Mishnah hey. The Mishnah teaches Allah for certain, certain minim, certain kinds of plants, for which turning the soil does not destroy the growth. If this field is planted with caraway seeds or a luf, um, some have the gears of karbos instead of kanvois. Um, that would be the Rambam. And uh, the Rambam explains that some say that this is caraway. Rashi in Menachis says luf is a type of bean, although the Rambam learns that it's a kind of onion. You may not plant another species over them, even if he plows the field first. Because they produce plants only after three years. Thus, there may be many seeds in the ground that have not yet taken root, and cannot be destroyed by plowing. The seeds of these species can remain buried in the ground for up to three years before taking root, plowing a field in which they have been planted is therefore no use in killing the plants. Even if the farmer sees that the caraway or loaf has begun to grow, 
that is, the plants are visible above ground. There may be many caraway or loof seeds under the ground that have not yet sprouted roots, and for those seeds, plowing will not help, so it doesn't even help to be to be uh, chayrish. So what do you have to do? That's why he may not plant another species on them, even if he plows the field first. If there was a field of grain in which aftergrowths of istis came out, aftergrowths are plants that grow on their own from seeds that fell into the soil during the previous year's harvest. Wheat was pre- was being grown on a field that had been previously been used to grow istis. New istis plants now grew upon, it grew up among the wheat from seeds that had fallen off last year which is common with the istis plant. Istis is a plant whose leaves were used to produce a blue indigo dye. The word, the common name for this plant is woad, W-O-A-D. Istis is harmful to the grain crops, you wouldn't even want it there. And similarly, if in the place that the threshing floors, many different kinds of vegetables came out, the threshing floor is often used to thresh different kinds of crops, so thus it is not unusual for a number of different species to sprout there. However, the surface of a threshing floor needs to be smooth. It is therefore undesirable to have any plants growing on such a surface. Similarly, if there was a field of fenugreek in which a variety of grasses came out, fenugreek is a plant with edible seeds. It's common for different grasses and weeds to grow among fenugreek plants, but these are bad for the fenugreek and you want them. We do not obligate him to weed out the foreign species, in all of these three cases, it's obvious that the farmer does not want the farm species to grow since they're damaging to him. Therefore, no one will suspect him of wanting to grow climb. That is, no one will suspect him of either having intentionally planted climb or wanting the climb to continue growing. Therefore, the Chachamim were not him to remove the farm species. The reason there's no actual Isra of climb here is that the farmer didn't plant didn't plant and doesn't know the existence of the farm seeds when he planted the first mint. So he's not going to be Chayim for climb, nor is he Chayim for maintaining climb because what the prohibition applies only when he wants the climb to grow. The only problem is what people may think he did, which is Maris Ayan, that there's climb here, since it's clear in these cases that he doesn't want these farm plants to grow, this too is a non-issue also. However, if he weeded or cut down some of the foreign species, we say to him he has to uproot everything except for one kind. By not eliminating everything, he shows that he wants some of the foreign species to grow. He's therefore over on maintaining climb. Nikesh refers to removing the plant together with its roots. Kisach is to cut down, to cut only the part of the plant which is above ground, leaving the roots untouched. By removing some of the farm species, but not all of it, the farmer indicates that he does want what is left. He thus appears to be, uh, he, do, he thus appears to be violating the Isra of being Mekayim climb. This suspicion is heightened by the fact that he did not have to remove anything, yet he removed some of them and left others. For this reason, it's not sufficient to reduce the foreign species to less than one twenty-fourth of the field. Rather, he must uproot all foreign species, leaving only one of the species in place. Okay, Mishnah The rest of this parak, as well as paragimel, teaches how a field may be planted so as to allow different crops. To be planted close to one another. The Mishnah addresses a case of someone who wishes to plant several strips of different species in a single field. The basic rule of climb is that planting different species together is also only when they appear to be mixed. The definition of the word climb is mixture, which implies that the species appear to be mixed together. An appearance of being mixed depends on many factors, such as the distance between the two species, the size of the field as a whole, the types of species being planted near each other, the kind of separations between them, the way the different areas are shaped, and other factors. 
Any separation or formation that causes the species to look separate from each other removes the client prohibition. The Chachamim defined the separations for us in the Mishnah, in the Mishnahis that follow. So Haraita Latsa Sadeu Meshar Meshamikomen. If someone wishes to make his field into separate strips, a Meshar is a rectangular patch. It's longer than it is wide. That's at least six Tvachim wide. Um, we're going to discuss the halachas for a square patch in Mishnah Tess. So each planted with a different species. So Beishamai Oymrim Shloshet Tlamishal Pasiach. Beishamai say he must leave a gap the size of three groundbreaking furrows between the strips. The groundbreaking furrows are furrows made when a field is plowed while the earth is still dry and hard. These are spaced farther apart than the than the uh, Talmud Revia that we mentioned earlier. According to the Rishami, three groundbreaking furrows are two amas wide. The empty space must also be at least two amas long. That is, as long as there is a square of empty land, two by two amas between the two strips, they are not climb, even if the rest of the area between the strips is narrower than two amas. The Basil say the strips must be separated by the width of the yoke used in Sharain. Basil's measure is just slightly smaller than Beishamai. And the words of Basil are close to, are close to being like the words of these, of Beishamai, that the two measures are nearly identical. And many times we find that this is what the Mishnah says in terms of Machlekes, Shamai, and Hillel. There's a very small difference, but for whatever reason they held that they they, they helped the different sheetas. The Mishnah now discusses planting crafts and formations that make it unnecessary to leave any space at all between them. These formations make it clear to the eye that the two species are not mixed, but are planted in what looks like two different fields. If there was a corner of a field, a reish tar is a corner of a field, tar is the name of a triangular earring worn by women, as mentioned in Shirashirim. The term Reish Tar, the head of the Tar, is used in a borrowed sense to refer to any angle that comes to a point, even if it's not part of a triangle. Thus, a corner of a square field that touches another field is referred to as Reish Tar. As the Pasuk says, Tu of Nasaloch. So if there was a Reish Tar of wheat that extended into a field of barley, that is, it touched the side of the barley field, but did not actually enter it, meaning that the corner of the field is touching a, another min field, Mutter, it's Mutter. Because the Reish Tar looks like the end of the wheat field and not like wheat planted in a barley field. The previous case referred to two fields owned by the same person. The Mishnah now teaches the halacha for fields owned by two different people. If his field is planted with wheat and his neighbor's field is planted with another kind of crop and there's an empty space between them, the empty space belonged to him. He could have planted wheat here right up to the board of his neighbor's field because there's no isser to plant two species next to each other when the field is owned by a different person. This is learned from the Pasuk, so the Chol, or says, your field you shall not plant with a mixture of seeds. However, the Mishnah discusses a case where he did not plant right up to his property line, but left an empty space on his side of the line, which now he wants to plant. So, it's permitted for him to place, to plant in the empty space next to his wheat, the same kind of crop as the one growing in his neighbor's field, provided he plants this new crop all the way up to the border of his neighbor's field. By doing so, the second species look like, looks like it's part of the neighbor's field. Therefore, even though he is now growing two different species in his own field, it's not considered a climb. So, for example, a person had wheat growing in his field, but he left an area between the wheat and his neighbor's field unplanted. His neighbor's field is planted with barley right up to the border between the fields. He may now plant barley in the empty space he left, as long as he planted all the way up to the border with his neighbor's field. Normally, a person is not allowed to plant barley next to his own wheat. 
you need to have some kind of separation. But in our case, since he plants a barley next to his neighbor's barley field, the new barley appears to be part of the neighboring field and not part of his own. Since it doesn't look like a mixture of wheat and barley in one field, it's mutter without making any separation. But what's going to happen if a person, if a person's field is planted with wheat and his neighbor's field is also planted with wheat? Mutter lismach leitelim shal pishton. He's permitted to place in the empty space next to his wheat a a uh, furrow of flax in order to test the soil to see whether it's suitable for growing flax. But he may not place a furrow of any other kind of species in the empty space. Since farmers do not grow just one furrow of flax, people seeing one furrow of flax planted at the end of the field realize that it was planted just to test the soil. A farmer who plants a row of flax at the end of his field to test the soil has no intention of using the flax plants that grow because it doesn't provide enough flax to be of any real benefit. This is considered like planting a crop in order to destroy it before it grows fully, which is mutter. Moreover, since it is uncommon for a person to plant just a single row of flax, no one will suspect him of planting climb. Everyone will realize that he planted it only as a test and not raise a crop. This is true, however, only for flax. Other species are sometimes planted even in single rows, because even one row of them provides enough produce to, to benefit from. Therefore, even if the farmer plants it only as a test, it's forbidden, because people think he's planting it to raise that crop as well. Even in the case of flax, it's only mutter if he plants it at the end of his field next to his neighbor's field. He cannot plant it in the middle of his field because people generally do not plant test rows in the middle of their field. Doing so, therefore, looks like planting climb. The Mishnah teaches that even so, he can't plant between his wheat and his neighbor's wheat, and it's a non-issue. Reb Shimon says, Whether this one furrow is flaxseed or any other species, it's also because it looks like climb. Reb Shimon is concerned that people may think he needs just a little bit of flax, even though normally you wouldn't, a person doesn't use that, that little amount of flax, but Maybe you're chayshish that people are going to use it. Rabbi Yaisi says, "After emphasis today, mutter live the ketalim shal pishtan." Even in the middle of the field, it's mutter to test the soil with the furrow of flax. According to Rabbi Yaisi, people seeing a furrow of flax even in the middle of a field will realize that it's been planted just to test the soil. Rabbi Yaisi agrees with the Tanakama that only a furrow of flax is permitted and only for testing purposes. However, unlike the Tanakama, Rabbi Yaisi allows as far as to be planted anywhere in the field and it's not limited to the row right next to the neighbor's field. We learned in the previous Mishnah that a person may plant a row of flags between his wheat field and his neighbor's wheat field, provided his intention is not to grow flags, but only to test whether the soil is suited for it. Our Mishnah discusses the same idea with respect to certain other crops. Again, We may not plant a furrow of mustard or saffron next to a field of grain, even though the intention is merely to test whether the soil is suited to them. Since people sometimes grow just a single furrow of these crops, it's not obvious that he planted the furrow just as a test. As we learned in the previous Mishnah, the only reason it's permitted to grow a single furrow of flax between two fields is that it's unusual to do so, and people will therefore realize that it was done as a test. Mustard and safflower, however, are grown even in a single furrow since a small amount of them are useful. Planting a single furrow of them is therefore forbidden since it looks like climb. However, he may plant a furrow of mustard or saffron next to the field of vegetables for the purpose of testing the soil. Since mustard and saffron are harmful to the vegetables, everyone will realize that he has no intention of letting them grow to maturity. One may plant a new species next to a strip of unplowed land that's neither plowed or planted and has another species growing on the other side of it, Vilanir or next to plowed land that has not yet been planted. It was common to plow a field and leave it unplanted for a year to restore its strength. 
In order for unfarmed or plowed land to separate between two fields with different species, it must have a certain size. For example, a field of grain needs an empty space of a base riva, which is 10 by 10 amas, to separate it from other grain. However, the size, of, the size varies depending on the type of species involved, as we'll see in Mishnah Yud. Vilagapa, or a stone wall. This is a wall built of stones piled one on top of the other without cement to hold them together. The Mishnah tells us that even such a wall is sufficient to separate between different species. Viladerech, or a private road, which is only Dalad Amas wide, as we spoke in or a fence that's ten high. To qualify as a divider, the fence must be at least four tvachim long, which is the minimum length of a mechitza, in addition to being ten tvachim high. However, there's no minimum thickness required for the wall, even the thinnest wall serves as a mechitza. There are six tvachim in an ama. An ama is between 18 and 24 inches, depending on different opinions. So the wall must be between 12 and 16 inches long, and between 30 and 40 inches high. The ten tvach height requirement here applies also to the wall of stones discussed above of the gapa. Or a ditch that's ten tvachim deep and four tvachim wide, that is four tvachim across. A ditch that's not four tvachim across is too narrow to be considered separation since one can easily step over it. Like the wall, the ditch must also be at least four tvachim long. Or a tree that covers the ground with its branches, they hang down to the ground. This refers to a tree at least 10 tvachim high whose branches and leaves are dense and close together and hang down to within 3 tvachim of the ground. A gap of less than 3 tvachim is regarded as closed based on the concept of lavud. Their branches and leaves thus form a legal wall that separates between crops planted underneath the tree inside the wall and crops planted in the field next to the tree outside the wall. Or a rock that's 10 tvachim high and 4 tvachim wide, all of these items serve to separate between different species and is therefore permitted to plant one species on one side of them and another species on the other side. So the sela govoya, that's four tzvachim long, wide refers here not to the thickness of the rock, but to its span along the border between the fields. As with the fence discussed above, there's no minimum thickness required for the rock. All these items serve to separate between different species and is therefore permitted to plant one species on one side of them and another species on the other side of them. Mishnah Tess. If a person wishes to make his field into many squares of all different types, a karachas is a bare patch. An empty patch that has been prepared for planting but has not yet been planted is called a karachas if it's a square. If it's longer than it is wide, it's called a meshar, a strip. As we mentioned earlier, Karachas is Lashon of Bold, which is a empty spot. Oise Esrim Ba'abu Karachas Lebeis So. He makes 24 squares to a base of land. Mi Karachas Lebeis Reva. Each square measuring a base Reva. A base So measures 2,500 square Amas. Since there are 24 Revas, quarter calves in a So, as we learned previously, a base Reva is 124th of a base So. This is an area of about 104 square Amas which can be made into a square measuring approximately 10.2 amas on each side. So each um, each square is measuring 10 amas by 10 amas and 2.5 tvachim. That's close enough to a square to be considered a karachas. And he plants whatever kind of species he wants in each square. Squares of this size appear to be separate from each other and not mixed. They are therefore not considered to be climb. Although this means 
that the many different species are being planted right next to each other with no separation between them. This Tana holds that because of their square shape and their base ray of size, they are viewed as separate and distinct from one another and do not appear to be mixed. They are therefore not client. However, the Meshar mentioned in the Mishnah Vav do require separations between them because they are not squares. Since a Beisah contains 24 base Raivas, the maximum number of species a person can plant in a Beisah is 24. If there were one or two unplanted squares in a field of grain, he may plant them with mustard. However, if there are three unplanted squares, he may not plant them with mustard. Because then it will look like a field of mustard. When three or more base Raivas of mustard are planted in a field of grain, they look like a field of mustard growing inside a field of grain. This is because mustard is normally planted in small patches. Three base revas is therefore a large enough amount to look like a field of mustard. As we learned in the previous Mishnah, it's forbidden to plant a field of mustard next to a field of grain. Planting three base revas of other kinds of crops near a field of wheat, however, is not problematic because such crops are usually planted over large areas. Three base revas of them therefore do not look like a field. Thus, according to Reb Meir, the special leniency for a base reva planted in the shape of a square is because it's too small to look like a field and yet large enough and distinctive enough not to look like individual plants growing in a field of something else. Nine squares are permitted in a base but ten are forbidden. And the sheet of Sachachamim is that squares containing different species may not be planted right next to each other, but must be separated by empty squares. This allows only nine squares to be planted in a base that is, they must be separated by, separated by a base rev of unplanted land if grain is involved. So thus only nine base rev squares can be planted in the base saw. It is not possible to fit even nine planted squares in the base saw if all the empty squares also have to be a full base rev, which is 10 by 10 ounce. The sages were lenient and allowed the empty land between the planted squares to be slightly less than a base rev, just 9.7 ounce wide, rather than 10.2, in order to make it possible to plant nine base revas in a square base saw. Thus, according to the Chachamim, squares are treated more strictly than the Meshar mentioned in the Mishnah above. Those required as a separation of only two by two Amis, whereas squares require a separation of a full base Reva. Rabbi Lesben Yaakov says, Even if a person, even if a person's entire field is a base core, which is 30 Beisos, he may not make it into more than one square of different species. Rabbi Lesben Yaakov takes a far more stringent position than the Chachamim. He rules that even in a field as large as a base core, which is 30 base saws, it's forbidden to plant more than a single square of a different crop. The reason for this is not known. What does the Rab say? Anything that's within the base reva. The previous Mishnah taught that a separation of a base reva is needed between two squares. The base reva is a square measuring 10 by 10 amas. The Mishnah now teaches what can be included in the base reva. Anything that is within the base reva, oila b'midas base reva, counts towards the measures of the base reva. For example, cracks in the ground that are filled with water. These are considered a natural part of the field, provided they are less than 10 fachim deep. For this reason, they count towards the measure of base reva, even though they are not fit to plant. Achilas hagefen, the work area around the grapevine, v'hakever v'hasela, oila b'midas base reva. The work area around the grapevine, which is 6 fachim, is eaten or consumed by the vine. It's needed surrounding a grapevine to work it. There are kever and a grave, although and a rock, all count towards the measure of base reva. Although the work area around the vineyard must not be planted with another species, the Tanavar Mishnah holds that the work area around the single grapevine is mutter for planting. 
since it's permitted to plant in this area, leaving it empty shows that the owner does not want to mix different species and therefore counts towards the base reva needed to separate between the two crops. It's forbidden to have benefit from a kever, like the Gemara says that had enough and that's forbidden to grow crops on it. Nevertheless, a grave counts towards the base reva because people looking at the field do not see a grave and do not realize that it's forbidden to plant here. Therefore, it looks like an area being left unplanted as a separation. The rock we speak of here is one that's not ten tefachim high. If it were, it would serve as a wall in its own right, like we saw in Mishnah Ches, and would not need a count, and we would not need a count to be part of the base reva. Rocks this low are also considered natural parts of the field, like the Gemara says in Bava Basra and Kuf Gimel. They therefore count even though they cannot be planted. If someone wishes to plant one kind of grain in a field of another kind of grain, base reva, he needs to separate it from what is already growing by a base reva. For example, if he wishes to plant barley in a field of wheat, he must leave a base reva of unplanted land on all sides. Additionally, he must begin planting the barley from the edge of the field, so that the barley should not be completely surrounded by wheat. The barley does not have to be separated by a base reva along the entire border with the wheat. As long as there's an unplanted base reva square anywhere along its border with the wheat, it's clear that they're separate fields. The line of separation between the barley and the wheat beyond this base reva may then converge towards each other at an angle until they meet at a point. Yarek be Yarek. If he wishes to plant vegetables of one kind in field of vegetables of another, shisha tvachim. Six tvachim are needed to separate between them. The width of six tvachim must be maintained for length of six tvachim as well. After that, it may narrow and converge at an angle towards the rest of the field. Shisha tvachim tua be Yarek Yarek be tua base reva. If he plants a grain in a field of vegetables or vegetables in a field of grain, a base reva is needed for them. This is true only for a row that is square. If a row in the shape of a rectangle longer than is wide, a separation of six tochem is enough, and this will be explained in the next parak. Rebbelezer says, Yarek Betvua, Shisha Tvachem. Rebbelezer says, For vegetables in a field of grain, six tochem is enough. Rebbelezer treats vegetables next to grain according to the more Kuladiga halacha of vegetables. The Tanakhama treats them according to the more of grains. Mishnah Yudalif. Tvua Naital Gabe Tvua. If grain of one kind leans over grain of another kind, the Mishnah speaks of two different species of grains that were separated by the proper distance, which would be a base reva in the case of grain, but the stalks of one species grew so tall that they leaned and drooped over the stalks of the other species, so they looked mixed. The Yarek al Gabe Yarek, if vegetables of one kind of one kind lean over vegetables of another kind, Tvua al gabe yarek, or grain that leans over vegetables, yarek al gabe tvua, or vegetables over grain, hakol motor, it's all motor, chutz midlas ivanis, except for in the case of a Greek gourd, whose leaves become entangled with those of other plants when they lean over them. Greek gourds grow very large leaves which extend outward. When these come in contact with the leaves and stalks of other plants, they get entangled with them to a greater extent than do leaves of other species. This creates an appearance of climb. When this happens, the gourd plants must be uprooted. Reb Meir says, Av The same is true for cucumbers and Egyptian bean plants. These two tend to lean over and become entangled with other plants, and they too are forbidden. This is the tradition I heard. However, I see what the Tanakhama says as being more correct than my own. Reb Meir heard from his Rebbeim that cucumbers and Egyptian beans have the same halacha as the Delasi of Onus. It was therefore bound to teach their ruling. Remeyer himself thought that the sage's tradition that only the Greek word was so entangling that it was forbidden was more correct. Ad Khan Parak Beis.